ब्रह्मो भगवाचो अर्हचो संभूदस Homage to the blessed noble and perfectly enlightened one Homage to the blessed noble and perfectly enlightened one Namo sadanto suchedo ye The unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and hold it, Within my sight and hearing, I vow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Good evening. Welcome to our sutra lecture tonight. We're here at the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. It's uh, Saturday night. It is the 16th, uh, 17th, 17th of April. This is our large uh, Dharma Realm Buddhist Young Adults Gathering. This is the evening portion of that. So tonight we have put together uh, both our sutra lecture, which is uh, something that happens every Saturday night, and we lecture on the Flower Adornment Sutra. And uh, we're going to do that um, for just a few minutes to kind of invoke the spirit of the Avatamsaka. And uh, you'll notice that sitting beside me is Brian Conroy, who is... uh, often uh, on the evenings of the uh, DRBA conference, is sitting here by himself. But tonight we have uh, a special event for you, and I think you'll be pleased. Um, We might call it a really big show, but we won't. We won't call it that. We'll just call it something, an entertainment for folks to enjoy that has principle. Now, before I explain what I mean by that, entertainment with principle, I'd like to invite you, please, to join me. I'm going to put my palms together, and people who are comfortable with that can join me. And we're going to invoke the uh, Avatamsaka, the Flower Adornment Assembly of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Um, We still have some seats over here. Uh, Please sit down anywhere you can. And the balcony is also a great place to, to take part tonight. So I'm going to put my palms together and chant Namo Da Fang Guang Fo Hua Yan Jing Hua Yan Hai Hui Fo Pu Sa. Please join me if you'd like to. Namo Da Fang Guang Fo Hua Yan Jing Hua Yan Hai Hui Fo Pu Sa. Namo Da Fang Guang Fo Hua Fang 
The uh, sutra that we honor every, every week, the flower adornment, along with all the sutras that the Buddha spoke, um, came from one source, which was the human, human mind asking a question, is this all there is? Um, the prince Siddhartha very suddenly had his world stopped in the middle of uh, a life of luxury that we probably can't imagine even today, suddenly he saw that he, like everyone else, was going to get old, was going to get sick, and was going to die. <coughs> Stopped his world. He had no context for that awareness. So the question arose in his mind, is this all there is? Is there any alternative? Do I have any choices in the matter? And he quickly connected that if he just lived the way he was living then, if he just continued, the answer was no, there was no choice. He was going to get old, get sick, and die. And everything that he had acquired, accumulated, all of the, his bright future as ruler of India was going to wind up in a grave. Item in a history book, forgotten. So he set out to find out an answer. Was there more? And that's the beginning of the story, sure enough. And all of the sutras, all of the, the books that we have in the back, the hundred volumes of the Tripitaka, the three baskets, and the 150 volumes of the supplementary Tripitaka testify to his answer. That's the Buddha's answer to the question, is there more? Could there be more than just lying down at the end of a life and thinking, too soon, too soon? So people, uh, east and west, north and south, ancient and modern, male and female, 
and other species as well have been asking that question ever since. And we want to understand. There's also something wonderful about the human species, which is a search for meaning. We want it to mean something. We don't want it to just be sounds in space or emotion that has no anchor. We search for meaning. And our search for meaning um, continues in a place like this, a sacred space like a monastery, and also in the cathedral of the street, you might say, in sacred spaces outside this purified, adorned sacred space. So people inside monasteries and churches and gurdwaras and mosques and synagogues have been looking for understanding, have been looking for meaning from the beginning of time. But people in the creative world of nature, of the street, of our relationships have been looking for answers as well. And so here we are in the West looking through the Buddhist lens, 2,500 years people have been looking through this lens, trying to make sense of their lives and the world around them. And in the monastery, we have Buddhist music. These are all instruments. This big one over here. The little wooden fish up there. These are all ways of expressing our appreciation of the gift of wisdom and compassion. So story is part in parcel. Story is the fabric of the Buddhist teaching. Graphic arts, all of these incredible icons, all the colors, all the dragons, for example, all the bodhisattvas here are sharing that search for understanding and meaning. So um, that perspective, looking at music, story, and arts, is a complement to what we learn when we sit down on meditation cushions and what we learn from the sutras themselves. So I think that in order to get a rounded picture of how the Buddha Dharma is coming to the West in the 21st century, we can happily include arts, story, music, graphic arts. So tonight, Professor Brian Conroy and myself will... Uh, present an hour of skits, stories, and songs on the theme of wisdom and compassion. And we brought along uh, some friends to help us out. And they're here behind us. Uh, and you all are here helping us out as well. So this is by no means uh, a search limited to people in robes or people who've taken refuge. Um, the Buddha's idea was that when you open the heart of the Dharma, uh, everybody fits. Everybody fits inside the limitless, boundless, empty space-like heart of great compassion. So, our hope tonight is that the joy of these stories and songs will be uh, among your favorite vehicles for bringing the Buddha's message home to our hearts. Should we begin?
Phil, is this um, is this hot? I'd like to know what you're all laughing at. 
One day, an elephant was walking through the jungle. When all of a sudden he saw a chicken <laughs> lying on the ground, flat on his back with his scrawny chicken legs up in the air. The elephant said, Hey, chicken. Yes? What are you doing with your uh, scrawny little chicken legs all up in the air like that? Well, uh, you promise you won't tell anybody? We're in the jungle. Who am I going to tell, huh? Well, all right. Well, here's the story. Uh, a little bird told me that uh, the sky might fall. And uh, if it does, well, I'm ready to hold the sky up. Do your thing for those little scrawny legs. You can hold up the entire sky. Well, not all by myself, but, you know, all living beings are supposed to do their part, and this is what I can do. Thank you, thank you very much. There used to be at one point in time a very literate chicken. And uh, one day the chicken went to the library and it walked right up to the circulation desk and said to the librarian, Quack. So the librarian gave the chicken a book. So then the chicken said, Quack, quack. So the librarian gave the chicken two books. <laughs> and then the chicken said, Bark, 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 bark. So the librarian gave the chicken a whole stack of books. Well, the chicken checked the books out, went outside, and there outside the library was a nice little green, grassy area underneath the tree. And the chicken sat down with the stack of books. And right about that time, out hopped a frog. And the frog sat down right next to the chicken. And the chicken took each book and showed each one to the frog. The chicken said, Bawk. And the frog said, Read it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, you know, um, one of the things that people encounter when they come to the monastery, particularly today, uh, the DRBY, Dharmaram Buddhist Youth, Young Adults Retreat, is we learn about the precepts. And uh, the precepts are an important aspect of the Dharma as it comes to the West. Um, they basically are guidelines for getting free and uh, mostly people don't think about people don't think about rules like these being guidelines for freedom but in fact 
that's what the Buddha discovered, was when you uh, live a life free of killing, free of theft, free of the broken promises of adultery or sexual misconduct, free of dishonesty, and free of intoxicants, then your path to enlightenment is very smooth indeed. So he said uh, it's really important as we cultivate the way to follow these wisdom guidelines and to live a harmless life, a life that doesn't have greed in it, no fighting, no greed, no seeking, a life without selfishness that comes from cheating on our vows. And a life that is uh, not selfish or self-centered, seeking personal advantage. So he said, those are the basic guidelines. Now, every religious tradition that I know of that has an ethical code agrees on the first four. Thou shalt not kill, steal, cherish thy, covet thy neighbor's spouse, right? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Four out of four, not bad. The Holy Quran has them. Patanjali's yoga aphorisms and Hinduism all agree that those first four rules. So Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and uh, uh, Hinduism all agree on those first four rules. That last one is the problem. It's called no intoxicants. And people get that and think, what's with that one? I mean, don't Buddhists have any fun? Right? Is it all suffering all the time with you Buddhist types? You know. So anyway, it's really important to catch that last rule as the opposite of wisdom. Wisdom is a state of stillness and clarity. So you see all the way to the bottom of the pond when your mind is wise. And if you dump intoxicants or substances or chemicals or smoke or any of that chemical into the brain, into the mind it's really hard to see clearly. So that's the idea. If you're going for wisdom, you need to avoid intoxicants. So this is a story uh, about somebody who got the first four but missed that last one. And then because he missed the last one, one by one broke the other four. And it also has a chicken prominently featured. This is one of the few Buddhist folk songs that has a chicken right in the heart of the song. So, so you heard it here first, right? He took five precepts with the pure and the bright mind, but his mind grew sloppy with the passage of time. Until one day he asked himself, what's the reason behind this uptight regulation against a little wine? Staring at a bottle A primo vino red He popped the cork He took a sip The wine rose to his head And looking for some oars divorce To wash that grape juice down When along came a chicken Pecking at the ground 
chicken, oh chicken, how you lost your head and ended up Colonel Sanders' takeout treat instead. Suddenly he heard a knocking. As he staggered to the door, the neighbor lady was asking, Has my chicken come through your yard? Oops, trouble. Sad, sad story. How he took a dive because he broke one precept. He lost it on all five. Sad, sad story. How this Buddhist fell. And when he will wake up, no human tongue can tell. Her beauty lit the alcohol burning in his mind. No, I ain't seen no chicken come this way, he lied. But you're not bad yourself, he said. As he locked the door and in his drunken stupor. Got to use your imagination in that part. Sad, sad story. How will he survive? Because he broke one precept. He blew it on all five. Sad, sad story. Wisdom fare thee well. And when he will wake up, no human tongue can tell. So take care, all you cultivators of the way. Don't think because it's a little thing, you can write the rules your way. Yama's got your number, you're listed in his files, and if you're off by a hair to start with, you're gonna miss it by a million miles. Sad, sad story, how will he survive? Because he broke one precept, he blew it on all five. Sad, sad story. How this Buddhist fell, and when he will wake up, no human tongue can tell. Thank you, thank you. All right. Now, um, is it hot? <laughs> it might be. Nope. That is okay. It's tame. You promised. Um, now, if you look at the, um, the stories of patriarchs and the sages of the past, you, um, you, come about, you come up with stories of real people who had real encounters. Um, 
And some of the, everybody's favorite stories are the, uh, the stories of the wise teachers who had to use their wisdom on the spot to what we say, to teach and transform living beings. And because he's got a, notice his tail, he's really quite, there we go. No, well, takes a lot of courage to sit here with a red dragon around your neck, let me tell you. Uh, a lot of those stories come from the Chinese tradition. And there's uh, about 1,800 years of uh, wisdom teachings. And because we're on the bridge bringing these teachings across, sometimes they come across in Chinese. So you notice this particular puppet only speaks Chinese. So uh, we're going to invite him to uh, tell us a story. Uh, not so good. Okay, but I need to speak English for them. Please tell your story. Uh, he wants to tell you a story about his, uh, his ancestor who was also a dragon. And the, uh, the, dra- the story goes on about this dragon who... Okay, okay. Well, you go ahead. Okay,我我我的不知道多少大以前的老祖尊呢，他是个龙王啊，可是呢，他脾气不好，脾气相当坏，哇，动不动都会发脾气了。嗯，so he says that his ancestor had a big bad temper, used to get angry at the drop of a hat, just all the time get angry. So I know a lot of people like that. Why is that a good story? He says his ancestors stayed at Nanhua Monastery. Yeah. Was he a cultivator? Did you inherit some of that peachy? Mayo. Okay. So he, he doesn't have a temper like his ancestor. But he says his ancestor used to just, just give the sixth patriarch lots and lots of trouble. Mm, for example, Oh, Can I translate that much? Okay. He used to make his body really, really big. Really big. And all the monks were afraid. They couldn't even go meditate. Then the sixth patriarch came along and decided he was going to do something about that dragon. So what did he do? Well, let me tell the story from here. I can. Okay. Okay. So what happened was the uh, sixth patriarch said, Oh... You can make a big body. That takes a lot of gung fu to do that. You must be a very special dragon. How am I doing? What's all? Okay. <laughs> but I bet you can't make a little tiny body. Is that what he did? Ah, 
因为啊，他呢，他脾气那么大呢，他听六祖这么说，马上<笑> ，He made a little body. The sixth patriarch. What happened next? Hmm. The sixth. Now, six. Now, six. Just say, "Wow, good, good. You now this little small body, very good, very good, very good." Six patriarch said, "Boy, that's really great. You made a little tiny body. You got a lot of kung fu." Hmm. What happened next? Wow. He just said, "But I don't believe." 你会跳到我的脖里边去了？你没有那么大功夫啊<笑> ！He said, "I bet you can't jump into my bowl." Said the sixth patriarch. Oh, sure enough, the dragon jumped right into the bowl. He could jump in, but he couldn't jump back out. No. Hmm. So that's it, huh? Okay. Now, I heard something about that dragon. I heard that years after, they actually saw a little dragon skeleton in that bowl, every little tiny bone intact. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, 是真的 Now, am I supposed to believe? You want them to believe that? Is that true? Well, it's it's a story. 是个故事 Oh, it's not true. It's a story. It's a true story. 是真的故事我是亲眼看到的 He says he saw it himself. You have to take his word for it. Thank you. Thank you. My goodness. Yeah. Now, um, people are aware that there's a.、Uh, An emerging, emerging art form called poetry, spoken word poetry, happening live these days, and folks everywhere are finding. They say finding the spit to、uh, to speak these.、Uh, Incredible, speak their hearts. It's it's a whole new voice coming out spontaneously worldwide. And、uh, in Buddha Dharma, we have an occasion of a poetry slam happen in the Tang Dynasty, and it had to do with the sixth patriarch again.、Um, the story goes that the、uh, the sixth patriarch.、Uh, The fifth patriarch, whose name was、uh, Hongren Dashi, was at a place called Huangmei Yellow Plums, and it was time to pass on the、uh, it was time to pass on the the Dharma to the next successor. 
And uh, how was he going to choose who was worthy to get this robe and bowl passed on by from Bodhidharma to the, to the West? So he thought, you know what I'll do? I will stage a contest. And whoever comes up with the verse that shows that they have seen their mind, that's the new patriarch. Good idea, right? Good plan. Okay, well, there was a problem, which is that in the monastery, there was uh, only one senior monk who was outstanding. All the other monks said, oh, definitely Shan Xiu Dasher is going to get it. Why even bother to write? So they all gave Shan Xiu the, uh, the honor, and he, he was ready to write a poem. The problem was he knew he had not seen his mind. He knew he was still caught in duality, but he still had to write because everybody was looking at him. So what are you going to do? Imagine if you were in Shen Xiu's spot. So he sweated a lot and he came up with a scheme. He said, OK, here's what I'll do. I'll write my verse at night in the dark of night on a wall going down the corridor. Tomorrow morning, when the fifth patriarch comes out to check it, if he says this verse shows that the person who wrote it has seen his mind, I'll step forward and say, well, I guess you knew it was me all along, right? You know? And if he says no, then I won't acknowledge who wrote it. Okay, now you have to know there's a backstory, which was in the pantry in the Kufang at the monastery at Yellow Plums, there was a young man. He came from the south, which is to say from the uneducated, illiterate, barbarian south, because where where he was considered really a kind of a, a country, country guy, didn't have any education. He was, in fact, illiterate. However, this was the future Huinang Dasher. He had already seen his mind. So he was in the back. And when the uh, 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 Master Shan Xiu wrote his verse, sixth patriarch came out, fifth patriarch came out, looked at it and said, mm, not bad. Anybody who cultivates according to this verse will gain great benefit. Then he pulled Shen Xiu aside and said, you haven't seen your true nature. You have not ming xin jian xing. You haven't woke up. Shen Xiu hung his head, right? But everybody outside was still buzzing over this verse. Hey, boy, he wrote a really good verse, didn't he? How did the verse go? The verse goes, the body is a Bodhi tree. The mind, a mirror stand bright. At all times, wipe it clean. Where can dust... Uh, at, he said, at all times, wipe it clean. Let no dust alight. Okay, pretty good, right? You have a false thought, brush it away. We teach that here. Okay, so, writes this verse, everybody's, whoa, that's really good. Body's a Bodhi tree, the mind's a mirror stand bright. At all times, wipe it clean. Let no dust alight. All right. Out from the pantry comes this quiet southern guy, probably talk Chinese like this, you know, kind of talk with a drawl, you know. You know, southern Chinese, right? So, so he comes up and says, uh, hey, would you tell me what he wrote? And they say, why? What, 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 what do you, you can't read it? No, I can't read it. And he said, well... All right, I'll read it for you. They said, body is a Bodhi tree, etc. And, and he said, well, that's pretty good. But, you know, I got a verse 
You can't even read. Why can't you have a verse? He said, well, you suppose somebody could write it down for me? The couple called Tiwa Shema, he said. <laughs> and that's Texas Chinese, right? So, so they said, oh, okay, okay, why not? You know, we'll write it down. So what's your verse? So the future Liu Zhu said, hmm, the body has no Bodhi tree. The mind, no mirror stand bright. Basically, there's not one thing. Where could dust alight? Everybody goes, Who is this kid? Whoa, that's pretty good. So they wrote it down on the wall. Fifth patriarch comes by, reads it, takes his shoe and says, No, 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 this one has not seen his mind yet. He erases it. Then he takes his staff and he goes, tap, tap, tap. It's kind of a secret monk's code, meaning come see me tonight at the third watch, right? Tap, tap. So the young guy goes, mm, like that. In the dead of night, the third watch, the young man from the south shows up and the fifth patriarch covers him with his robe and says, you have truly seen your mind. I was number five, you're number six. Here's the robe and bowl. Run, because they're going to chase you, <laughs> he said. Buddha Dharma in the tongue was wild and woolly, right? If you could grab the robe and bowl by force, people would. So that's the story. And I thought, boy, in there is a good song. That's a great song. So this is country and eastern Buddha Dharma, country and eastern music. So. Now we've also added a line which is uh, Master Shenhua's constant exhortation to us. Everything's a test to see what you will do. Mistaking what's before your eyes, you'll have to start anew. That's how Shifu always said it. So here we go. Keep it clean, 
let no dust alight. Wang Mei said, that's pretty good. I think that you will find whoever cultivates that way won't fall far behind. Then quietly he told Shun Xu, this verse just won't do. I know you haven't seen your mind. I can't give the rope to you. Everything's a test, you know, to see what you will do. Mistaking what's before your eyes, you'll have to start anew. Then out from the kitchen came a quiet young man. He had a draw, he couldn't read, a southern barbarian. He said, I heard there was a contest, I thought I'd have a go. If someone will help me write it down, I'll tell you what I know. The body is no Bodhi tree, there ain't no mirror stand bright. Basically, there's not one thing where could dust delight. Patriarch erased his verse. He shook his head, oh no. But he tapped his staff three times, a kind of secret code. And deep in the night, the young man came to pay his respects. Wong Mei said, I was number five, and now you're number six. You passed my test, you certified with wisdom bright and true. Wong Mei said, this robe and bowl I now bestow on you. Your new name will be Hui Nung, the one able and wise. They're going to chase you, travel south, and find a place and hide. Everything's a test, you know, to see what you will do. Mistaking what's before your eyes, you'll have to start anew. Okay. At some point, you're supposed to say, Yeehaw! Right? Or not. Okay, country and eastern, what do you know? All right, uh, let's see here. There was once a young man who had taken a vow to hold the five precepts. And uh, not long after he took this vow, he walked out of his front door, and there on his porch was a deadly poisonous sea serpent. <laughs> well, the man got frightened. He picked up an axe and he called to his neighbor across the road, Help! There's a poisonous sea serpent on my porch. Take this axe and kill the serpent. Well, the neighbor looked at him and said, Wait a minute. You, you have the axe. Why don't you kill the serpent? The man said, Are you crazy? I hold the precepts. <laughs> How did I do? You did fine. Is, is that my only part tonight? That's okay. You did really well in your first roll. That's good. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Uh, I, I was hoping for more, but 
That's all they gave me. I have to see you next time. Bye. Dharma Master, what can you say about uh, vegetarianism to help frame this little song? Um, I would say uh, if you if you think chickens think of their babies as offspring, we think of them as omelets. Mother pigs think of their piglets as their future. We call them bacon. Think about it. Um, how would, let's see, which one of our young ones here, what would we call these two in front here? Would we call them uh, chops, ribs, cutlets? Probably not. Went to the doctor with a pain in my chest. Doctor says I got six months to live at best unless I stop eating meat. Then I'll be right back on my feet. I said, Doctor, please don't make me give up meat. I just don't know what else. I can't eat, doctor said, tofu. <laughs> it's really good for you. I said, doctor, I'm as open-minded as the next guy, but if you want me to give up meat, you got to give me one good reason why, doctor said, tofu. It'll make a man out of you. Yeah, but tofu is for sissies. It's not for real men. Doctor says it will cure me, but he won't say when. Tofu. All I want is some barbecue. <laughs> so I went to Whole Foods Market with some dark sunglasses on. Bought some tofu from a socialist, and man, I was gone. Took it home, put it in a frying pan. Now I'm a different man. <laughs> because tofu is delicious. I cannot tell a lie. I will never eat meat again until the day I die. Tofu. <laughs> it's who knew? <laughs> Now my friends are making fun of me, but I don't care. My medical problems have vanished into thin air. All because of tofu. It could happen to you. <laughs> now I'm attending peace rallies, because I'm a pacifist. Next thing you know, I might become a Buddhist. Tofu. Yeah, let it happen to you. (laughs) 
Well, in ancient India, there were four young friends who were the sons of Brahmins. Now, three of these young men were scholars of the highest intellectual capacity. But the fourth young man, he was no scholar. But he did have one thing that the other three didn't. He had common sense. <laughs> now, one day, the three scholars decided that they would go out into the world to test out their knowledge. And as they were about to leave on their journey, well, the young man who was no scholar came to them and asked if he could accompany them on their journey. Well, out of loyalty for their old friend, they agreed to take him along, even though he had only common sense. Well, they set off on their way and they walked all day long and late that day in the deepest, darkest part of the jungle, they came upon the dry, dead carcass of a lion. Now, the first scholar looked down at the carcass and said, Aha! I can tell from my studies that these are the bones of a lion. And not only that, I can put them together in perfect order. And he did. Well, the second scholar said, Oh, well, um, your uh, studies have taught you a great deal, I'm sure, but my studies have taught me even uh, um, much more because I can put blood into the body of the lion and stretch flesh across the bones of the lion. And he did. Well, the third scholar said, Oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, I know your studies have taught you a great deal, but mine have taught me even more, for I can breathe breath into the lion and bring him back to life. <laughs> well, the man who was no scholar said, um, Excuse me, um, I'm not any kind of a scholar or anything, but if indeed this is a lion, bringing him back to life could be very dangerous Think about what you're doing. Well, when he heard this, the second scholar lost his patience and said, Well, I, look, I told you we shouldn't have brought him with us. What do you know about these kinds of intellectual matters? Well, the man who was no scholar said, I know one thing. If you're going to bring the lion back to life, I am going to top, climb to the top of that tree right there. And he did. In the meantime, the third scholar, while they laughed at the simplicity of their old friend, breathed life into the lion. <laughs> Immediately, the lion came to life, looked at the three scholars, sprang upon them, and ate them up. <laughs> well, a long while later, after the lion was gone, the man who was no scholar came down out of the tree and returned home to his old village, not with fame or fortune, but only with his own good common sense. Mm. Is that it? Yeah, that's all. Uh, but didn't you promise me an audition? <laughs> I, I, it, you know, I, I heard that that Metro Golden Mare Lion went out of business, so I thought maybe that, you know, try me out. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, maybe we'll get you a YouTube video and you can prep, you know. <laughs> okay, good. Yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you, Yeye. This is Yeye. How about some applause? 
Time for a Buddhist sing-along. Amazing to discover that um, people who cultivate the way to success, uh, the buzzword is called get enlightened, right? We say um, realize the way people who accomplish the end of their cultivation they do one thing, almost without exception, after they wake up. Who would think? You know, we always think, get enlightened, right? We never think, what next? What do you do after you wake up? Well, it seems that almost without exception, men and women who wake up, first thing they seek to do is find, what, what was it? Not yet. That's the second thing. First thing, her, she said, come back and rescue others. Well, some do, some don't. Some just say, I'm out of here. <laughs> but that's out of birth and death, right? Out of samsara. But that's the second thing. The first thing they do is look to repay the kindness of the people who brought them there. Think about Mahamad Gayana, Ulambana, right? Ulambana, Madhgayana wakes up. What does he do? goes to look for mom, first thing. Mom is suffering big time and as a ghost in the hells. That's another story. But east and west, these the people who wake up want to repay kindness. How interesting that awakening is followed by gratitude. Bao'en, right? Si zhong, and four kinds of gratitude. So I thought, there's a song. I thought, that's interesting. So I'd like you to join me if you'd care to. The chorus goes like this. Thank you to the universe. Thank you to the earth and sky. I may not repay my parents' kindness, but every day I try. Can you do that? Let's try it. Thank you to the universe. Thank you to the earth and sky. I may not repay my parents' kindness, but every day I try. Sounds great. Here we go. People ask me, what do you get from your meditation? Are you enlightened? Have you ended your frustration? The wise men and women who woke up All those I reviewed Say the highest state Is a wish to repay A heart of gratitude Okay, here comes your part Thank you to the universe Thank you to the earth and sky I may not repay my parents' kindness, but every day I try. Are you all trying? Singing? How many years did I waste waiting for my prize? 
for my ship to finally come in for my good news to arrive but freedom comes not from getting but from giving it all away people say once you see the dow you feel a wish to repay here we go your turn thank you to the universe thank you to the earth and sky i may not repay my parents kindness but every day i try how about teachers kindness i may not repay my teachers kindness but every day i try how about the planet's kindness i may not repay the planet's kindness but every day i try back to parents i may not repay my parents kindness but every day i try There was once a wise fool. And one day he was out in his garden sprinkling breadcrumbs around the flower beds, and a neighbor saw him doing this and said, "What are you doing?" Well, for pity's sakes, it's obvious I'm sprinkling breadcrumbs around to keep the tigers away. Tigers? Tigers? There are no tigers for thousands of miles. Yeah, I'd say it's very effective, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, hey, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You call that a tiger story? There weren't any tigers in that story. Well, you deal with this one. I'm out of here. Can you think of a tiger story for him? Calm him down. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a lot of tiger stories in the world. Come up with a tiger story. Mm. Actually, uh, I would like you to tell a story that mm, shows the, the sincere, true nature of tigers. Can you do that? Mm. Maybe I better. Yeah. Mm. You better. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, a story that shows the true, sincere nature of tigers. Mm, I think I got one. Mm, well, tell it. They're all waiting. All right, calm down. All right. Um, I know. I, th I got one. You know, there's a teacher whose name is Master Empty Cloud. Yeah, I've heard of him. Mm, oh, that story. Mm, that's right. Mm, my grandfather's in that story. Okay, good. So I'll tell you the, tell a story. Uh, Master Empty Cloud in 1934, he was uh, helping people in the South who were uh, afraid of the invasion. Uh, there was a big invasion 
in China in 1934, and people were refugees, and they were running from the they were running from the soldiers who were not reliable, and the invaders who were really bloodthirsty, and and all the lawless elements. Yeah, yeah, tough time. Yeah, I knew about that. Yeah. So well, what happened was six patriarch, the uh, master Shuya, an empty cloud. He opened up the monastery, and he brought them in. Yeah, he had a really big heart. Mm, that's right, and. When the people came in, they had all their possessions with them. They were terrified and he calmed them down and he gave them the refuges and the precepts. Mm, what happened next? This is a good story. I like this story. Well, what happened next was it was night and guess who showed up? My grandpa. <laughs> right? That was right. Your grandpa. A tiger came into the monastery terrified everybody. Go on. Well, what happened next was Master Empty Cloud said, come here and bestowed the refuges and the precepts on the tiger. That was my grandpa. I'm really proud of him. That's right. And the people were astounded because here was a real live Chinese tiger. Not a paper tiger. <laughs> he was a real tiger. And he took refuge in precepts. And he was calm. And he came back every year at the same time to bow. How did he bow? Good, Ginger. One time there was a very cynical businessman who always kept his mind on very important matters. Well, one day he was walking through downtown Berkeley, through a little park in downtown Berkeley on his way to an important business meeting when he saw sitting on the grass a meditator. And he just grew so disgusted to see this bum sitting there with his eyes closed in meditation doing nothing that he had to go up to the meditator and tap him on the shoulder and say, Hey, what do you think you're doing? Well, the meditator opened his eyes and said, I'm learning to relax and to not worry. Oh, yeah? Well, you ought to get up off of your duff and get a job. Well, the meditator didn't want to start an argument or seem disrespectful, but he said, Why? 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 Because if you get a job, you, you, you can save some money. And then if you save some money, you can open up a bank account and, and, and you can save some of that money. And then if you keep saving after 20 or 30 years, you can save enough money that you can just sit around and relax and not have to worry about a thing. Well, why do I have to wait 20 or 30 years? That's what I'm doing right now.
Signifying monkey, you better stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. Said the signifying monkey to the lion one day, Hey, there's a great big elephant down the way. He's going around talking, I'm sorry to say, about your mama in a scandalous way. Yeah, he's talking about your mama and your grandma too. And he don't show too much respect for you. Now you weren't dead, and I sure am glad, because what he said about your mama made me mad. Signifying monkey. You better stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. <laughs> the lion said, oh yeah, well, I'll fix him. I'm going to tear that elephant from limb to limb. And then he shook the jungle with a mighty roar, and he took off like a shot from a 44. He found the elephant where the tall grass grows and said, I've come to punch you in your long nose. The elephant looked at the lion in surprise and said, Boy, you better pick on someone your own size. Signifying monkey, you better stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. But the lion wouldn't listen, he made a pass, and the elephant slapped him down in the grass. The lion, he roared, and he sprang from the ground, and that's when that elephant really went to town. I mean, he whooped that lion for the rest of the day, and I still don't see how he got away, but that lion dragged off more dead than alive, and that's when that elephant, that's when that monkey started his signifying jive. Signifying monkey, you better stay up in your tree. You are always lying and a signifying, but you better not monkey with me. <laughs> the monkey looked down and he said, Oh, wait, what is this beat up mess I see? Is that you lying? Ha ha, do tell, man, he will head to a fair deal well. Gave you a beating that was rough enough. Supposed to be the king of the jungle, ain't that some stuff? You big overgrown pussycat, don't you roar or I'll jump down there and whoop you some more. Signifying monkey, you better stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. <laughs> the monkey started laughing and jumping up and down, but his foot missed a branch and he fell to the ground. The lion was on him with all four feet about to grind that monkey into hamburger meat. The monkey looked up with tears in his eyes and said, Please, Mr. Lion, I apologize. I meant no harm. Please, let me go and I'll tell you something you really need to know. The lion stepped back to hear what he'd say and that monkey scampered up a tree and got away. What I meant to tell you, the monkey hollered then, is if you mess with me again, I'll stick the elephant on you again. The lion, he growled and he said, you jive. If you and your monkey children want to stay alive, then up in those trees is where you better stay 
And that's where they are to this very day. <laughs> Signifying monkey, you better stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. Oh no, you better not monkey with me. Tell me how to get to Nirvana? Practice. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, can you tell me how many miles is it to Nirvana? Well, I don't rightly know. Oh, well, you're not much help. Uh, can you tell me uh, how many miles is it to New York? Well, I don't rightly know. What a waste of time. Uh, can you tell me at least how far it is to Berkeley? Uh, I don't rightly know the answer to that either. Well, just, have you lived here all your life? Not yet. <laughs> you know, you don't seem to know much of anything. That's true, but I'm not lost. Can we hear Bodhi Coyote howl one more time? No! By golly. <laughs> Buddhist coyotes. Hmm? Yeah. 
Well, as all things do, the evening has come to an end, and um, we're going to first dedicate the merit, and then we have some announcements and some gratitude, and uh, let's do that first. Let's mm, the way we dedicate merit is to take all the good stuff, that, all the happiness, all of the fa-shi that comes from gathering with wholesome friends in a peaceful, pure place. To uh, All that goodness is actually a quantity. There's something there. It, it's, uh, they call it the only power that can cut without harming. It's virtue, gongdev. So we can take that and share it with the world because if you think about it, there's no place where my mind doesn't touch your mind. Show me where my mind stops and yours begins, right? Minds do touch. And if our minds are sending out wholesome thoughts, thoughts of well-being, then our minds are like a broadcast tower of that goodness. And every, as far as our minds can go, that's how far that goodness reaches. So I'd like to invite you all to join Brian and myself in making a wish for goodness, however you would like to do it. Whatever that transference, dedication wish is, it's yours. Make a wish. You might want to send a wish for goodness to the planet because at the moment there's an active volcano in Iceland that has brought on the worst transportation crisis in the history of Europe tonight as we speak. Airports are shut down until Monday and Tuesday, or maybe they don't know. Uh, all kinds of folks who had graduation plans, wedding plans, business are in airports on cots or trying to get on a train somewhere, and the French trains are on strike. So, yeah, it's one of those moments. So, um, sending, you know, Although we're saying Northern Europe, it won't be too long before that ash follows the wind across and uh, the planet, we'll see how small the planet is. And that's one isolated volcano in Iceland that has created this overnight, right? So, so far, our corner of Northern California has avoided the big one. And uh, every day that passes without the big one is a day that we can be grateful. So let's uh, send out that goodness and make a wish. When we put our thoughts together, it gets real power. If people hear and see 
Okay, um, we'd like to acknowledge all the hard work that went into today's conference by volunteers, folks who do it purely for the love of bringing the Dharma to the West. And this today's conference was done entirely by DRBY uh, volunteers, Dharma Realm uh, Buddhist young adults, and the lay supporters at Berkeley Buddhist Monastery who cooked up incredible amounts of wonderful, delicious food, uh, feeding everybody, all comers. I think we had, anybody get a count? Were we up to 90 today? Somewhere like probably about 90 people, maybe 100. Uh, we were going to 75 around noon, so... Anyway, wonderful conference, and it's uh, done completely by the young people, the young adults themselves. Um, they invite me to participate, and I'm honored, and they invite Brian to come every year and share his unique skills and talents. And the nuns drove down from City of 10,000 Buddhas and up from the other monasteries in the Bay Area to help out. They did the ceremonies and did the teaching, and so... This was really a group effort, and uh, if you want to talk about how the Buddha Dharma is going to come in the West, I think tonight is a, or today, the whole day is a pretty good example. It's going to come uh, through the mind, it's going to come through the heart, it's going to come through the tongue, delicious food, vegetarian food, and it's going to come through the community that grows from people who are here to, who are excited about getting an answer to that question, isn't there more? Isn't there more than this? What, after all, did the Buddha teach that I can take home with me tonight that makes my days and nights make more sense? That gives me meaning, that gives me understanding of who I am and what I'm supposed to do. That's the Buddha's message. And uh, we're hoping that this kind of an open investigation, uh, it will take, take root here in Northern California and across the world. Certainly, the Buddha Dharma that is alive in the Chinese Mahayana, the Buddha Dharma of Fa Hui, the Buddha Dharma of Nianfo, and the Buddha Dharma of uh, 
Tianlong Babu and all of the wonderful spiritual parts, that's here to stay. That's definitely available for folks who want to find it. But I find that lots and lots of young people um, see that, see the, the devotional side and think, that's great, but you know, I got to make sense. I got to get through the night. I got to make sense of the pressures that I'm feeling from my parents, from society, the pressures of the, the evil that's going on in the world. I have to make sense of that. I have to take part in it, and yet I don't want to just pick one side or the other and go struggle. I want to find a way to, to look beyond it and engage it at the same time. That's the Dharma that we're hoping to make available, to open up so that we can come and get our answers. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have that program today, which was all about that, making sense of the world that we find. And at the same time, understanding that the Buddha's door of transcendence is not just for uh, people in robes. It's not just for men. It's not just for an exclusive class of people. It's wide open for anybody who comes, uses the Dharma uh, with a sincere, open heart. It's yours. It's in your hands. Bring your mind in the Buddha hall. Don't check it at the door. That's what we're trying to do. At the same time, we're having fun. I mean, you know, uh, if you told me three months ago we were going to have a puppet show tonight, I would have said, I don't know who's going to do it. It's not going to be me. But puppets are now part of our tools and music and all of the, uh, the goodness that arose from people's sharing today. So I'm pleased to be part of it and I want to reflect back some of that goodness. Thank you so much for allowing me to join in today. It was great. Um, tomorrow, down at Gold Sage Monastery, uh, there is Huai Xiaojie, Cherishing Youth Day. This is our, uh, Master Shenhua began our custom of uh, making the spring uh, cherishing youth and making the autumn Jing Lao Jie, Venerating Elders Day. So we've got two more holidays in the Buddhist calendar. Spring is for youth, the, the autumn is for elders. And uh, I think that's a very wholesome, I think it's been missing. That's a kind of medicine for Western society that tends to think everybody should be 20 years old, right? And uh, to actually uh, understand that we are not self-made people. We are distinctly other-made people. And to connect with those relationships is the first step towards great compassion. So uh, tomorrow's a chance to do that. If you are in uh, the Bay Area or South Bay or Fremont or wherever, and you'd like to bring your... Uh, it, most adults have to bring a kid. Sorry. If you just show up without a kid, they'll probably put you in a chair, right? But we'll, we'll loan you a kid if you want to come anyway and have fun. You know, don't have a kid of your own. We've got to rent a kid for Huai Shaoji. Not really. That would be great. Anyway, there's, it's going to be a wonderful event. And uh, Brian and I are going to do the same show plus a few more songs tomorrow. So if you want to get part two, the reprise of the Bodhi Coyote puppet show, uh, come down tomorrow. And it's 9 o'clock down at Gold Sage. Um, also, tomorrow afternoon here at the Berkeley Monastery at 4 o'clock, Houston Smith, Professor Houston Smith is going to be here in person uh, talking about his perspective on fundamentalism, major issue in religious, the world of religion is people who 
cling to a rigidly defined way of looking at the world and making all the unhappy, messy, loose ends fit into that keyhole of how things are. And if they're not, you cut them off until they make, till they fit. That's kind of a, uh, a uh, quick and dirty way of describing the fundamentalist mindset. Interestingly enough, Buddhists are not immune to that point of view. Right? We have our Buddhist Taliban elements within our community. So uh, I think every community does. So anyway, Houston Smith is the scholar of religion, probably the preeminent scholar of religion writing alive in the world today. If you took comparative religion in college, you read his book called The World's Religions. So he's here tomorrow from 4 to 6 as the guest of Ahimsa. And I'll be here um, as the MC. Um, people are very much encouraged to come. I think there'll be a big house tomorrow, but please do come and take your chance. He is 90 years old um, and uh, still vigorous and still bright, but, you know, 90 is, is getting up there, so you don't want to wait too long to get to hear Professor Houston Smith. Tomorrow at 4 p.m. here, free of charge, come and uh, take advantage of this opportunity. Um, also, I would like to mention that the Berkeley Monastery is remodeling. We are remodeling our kitchen. Uh, there's a uh, uh, we events like today. They're still cooking it on a four burner electric stove with a family size sink and no counter space. So pretty heroic what how people get those meals out in the tiny kitchen that we have. And so we're going to just. Uh, uh, take out one wall and double the size, put in some new appliances and such. So um, there's flyers on the counter outside. If you are interested in finding out more about it, finding a way to participate. Somebody made a $1,000 donation today, happy to say. So we got a step forward. And uh, this is just us. And we're trying to be completely transparent about the strength that people bring forward. So just to let you know that is happening. There are flyers out in the... Uh, uh, in the hallway if you'd like to know more. Okay. Um, the Otherwise, what else needs to be announced? Anybody? Ken? Until? Okay. Tomorrow there will be meditation tomorrow starting at 8.30 and Q&A following. So that's uh, uh, tomorrow's. Marty will be leading the meditation. Uh, from 8.30, anybody is welcome to come in and sit. And also Master Dashing will be here as well. Okay, without any more announcements, I'm going to uh, stand up and bow to the Buddhas three times and uh, bow three times to Master Shrenhua and people are welcome to join if you like. And thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week for the Avatamsaka Sutra. to the